0: Welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. This is Trevor Kidd and Shelley Mazenoble as your hosts, and today joining us we have Chris Tulock.
1: Hi, Chris. Hi, Shelley. Hi. Hi,
0: Trevor. How are you doing? <laughs> we are all robots now. Yes, um, let us continue to talk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret like the about Chris Tulock. This is how he gets so much done. Yep. Yes. He's a robot, just like everybody named Chris in our company. And Chris
1: Perkins is also a robot, yeah. so we're good.
2: That's how we differentiate between the <laughs> robots and the humans.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: Chris Tulock, it's good to have
1: you here. Thanks.
2: Um, You are the D&D Organized Play Program Manager. Right. And so um, we want to talk to you today about all of the cool changes with Dungeons & Dragons Organized Play and the D&D Adventurers League. But first, leaning into that, I want to talk about Gen Con. Okay, Something let's do it. really, really awesome about Gen Con.
0: Something really, really awesome about Gen Con is that I got to play a lot, so uh, that was cool.
2: There was <laughs> there was a lot that was awesome about Gen Con, but one of my my favorite things about Gen Con is the day before the show opened, I walked into Hall D, and I saw those amazing faction banners hanging from the rafters. Yeah, those were beautiful. The five factions. And my very first thought when I walked in, it was like, literally took my breath away, because just to see them, they were huge, and they were awesome. And I thought... Oh my God, I bet Chris Tulak burst out crying when he saw this.
1: (laughs) They were super impressive. I mean, I came in uh, on Wednesday to do setup and the faction banners were, just hit you in the face right away. They were just, the colors were amazing. They looked great. The design was awesome. And um, our in-house team, as well as the sightlines team that designed them, they worked you know they did did you
2: walked in there and you just felt like oh something's happening here something really big is going to happen here and i just know because we sit right next to each other and we work together a lot but i know how much work you you put into the factions and and how they were going to influence organized play and it's just it was really cool just to see like literally your vision kind of rising into the rafters. And I took more pictures of those faction banners, I think, (laughs) than I have of my son. So, and <laughs> if you haven't seen that, I book, don't
0: believe that. That's not. Possible. Yeah, I don't believe that. It's
2: close. <laughs> um, they, we do have pictures of those on our Tumblr blog, and I'm sure they're on our Facebook page somewhere. But anyway, I just I have to know. Did you cry? Did you get a little teary-eyed when you just saw it?
1: Just a that? little misty. Yeah. You, you got He missed, in your, he, in he your missed eye. it a little bit. That's what <laughs> <he does>. But <laughs> no, but it's it's amazing to see your work, yeah, you know, translated into something that's real. Yeah. and I, I think this happens a lot. For the R&D guys when they work on a project too, like a book, right? you know, and you see the player's handbook in your hands for the first time. It's the same kind of feeling too. When you see those faction banners hanging up in the hall, you're like, okay, this idea of the factions is actually materialized. Yeah. It, right? it's it's kind of finally here.
2: And it seemed like people really gravitated to it, uh, oh, yes. which we'll talk about a little bit later on, but it was cool to see like people instantly identified with a faction. I think like... People really knew right away, like, I'm this faction or I'm this faction. So, anyway, very cool. Kudos to you on that. Why, yeah. thank
0: you. And for everybody out there who may not know exactly what we're talking about when we say these factions, uh, they're actually a, a big player part of the Adventurers League. So, that's a good segue for us. That is. Uh, what, like, so, the Adventurers League is what, what we call, you know, our organized play. Chris is part of organized play. What that means is uh, you get to play at events and stores and stuff like that. And we said we, we create that content for you. Uh, Chris can talk about those guys, too. And uh, basically, you get to sit down and play a DD and d game with as, as little effort as possible, uh, having having to be put in on your part. But as uh, far as all that goes, uh, what do you want to tell us about the Adventurers League? Like, how much has OP changed, and what's going on with the Adventurers League now?
1: Well, so the idea here was we took... What R and D was doing with the game itself, with the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, where they were kind of looking at past editions of the game, they were using that to sort of influence what the what the game was going to be and would become, and then take the player feedback, take the DM feedback, and incorporate that and keep iterating on the game. So we did kind of a similar process for organized play when we look back and we look back at all the organized play programs that had existed all the way since the early '80s uh, to now, and the D and D Adventures League was sort of the the uh, you know, the final product of that, right, of that search. And, and, uh, we went through, we kind of said, Hey, what worked before, what didn't work before, and, uh, how can we make something that is going to resonate with players and, um, make them feel like they want to continue to play and play as deep as they want to go, um, while still being accessible. If you're new and you want to jump in, you know, for the first time, you know, no matter when, uh, you know, you wind up at a store or at a convention. So So D&D Encounters
2: is still a really great program for somebody who's just looking for a very casual game or is trying to find a new group to play or you can just jump in.
1: Yeah, Anytime. We, yeah, we still have DD Encounters. That's still a program that uh, that exists. We just kind of tweaked it a little bit uh, for its uh, new version in, as part of the D&D Adventurers League. And uh, effectively what we're talking about here is when we say D&D Adventurers League, that's just sort of the code name for D&D organized play, mm-hmm. right? So it's sort of the name that we give the system by which people play D&D, right? Um, and organized play, to give you kind of a quick definition, what that really is, is it's we're talking about in-person public play for the most part. That's... Uh, really the heart of organized play. So we're talking about stores, we're talking about conventions, and we're talking about ob- other public events that might be run by uh, independent organizers. Yeah. That's, really, that's really public play.
2: Can you speak a little bit more about what, what you mean, though, by public play? Like what, what would, if I play at my local library, does that count as
1: public Yeah, play? that would be considered public play. Okay. I mean, any, any time in which uh, you have uh, a game or an event that is accessible to the public, um, that anybody can join, um, that's really what we're looking at. So, okay. you know, a store, for example, you know, would definitely have uh, public play because usually every week they'll be running like d encounters in their store and that's just open for anyone to participate in. Um, if you happen to be associated with like a library or a community center or something like that and you wanted to have a, a public event, that's also organized play, that's something that we'll support. And then, of course, if you're a convention organizer, uh, we'll support you too as well. The big difference between uh, um, where the support uh, lies officially from Wizards and what you get is that um, if you're an independent organizer, um, we'd prefer that you partner with a store because if you partner with a store, we have a way to actually ship materials to that store location and uh, allow for the experience to be enhanced by the materials. Um, if you're a store, that's all part of your, your store process as you sign up for programs and, uh, and get your games on the schedule every month. But that's basically, that's basically the, 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 you know, long and short of it.
2: So if, um, I mean, I could play D and D at my house with my friends. You could. I could. but
1: That's cool. That's, that's great. that's great. I love it. Right? But
2: what would you say, what are the benefits if I play it in the yeah, store? Yeah, why
1: should I play in the store instead of playing with my buddies at home? So, yeah, that's a really great question. And the thing is, right, getting people outside of their home, right, where they're comfortable and where they're happy playing D&D in their, in their more intimate environment um, is certainly um, you know a challenge, right, from time to time. And why would I? Why would I leave my, my home? Uh, Well, a couple of things. The first thing is that um, by participating in our D&D Adventures League uh, program, so like D&D Encounters, D&D Expeditions, and D&D Epics, um, what you're doing is you're actually kind of engaging in a bigger community. So you're sharing in a story that uh, all of you can kind of tell together, right? So when I participate in uh, an event at a store or at a convention, what I'm doing is I'm engaging in a game that other people are playing too, and we have this shared experience now. When I sit down and I play at home and then I go talk to another guy that played a, at a different home game and we have a conversation about our D&D campaigns, there's going to be obviously some you know, familiarity and shared experience, but very little, right? Because your Dungeon Master and my Dungeon Master might be running completely different things, right? My Dungeon Master might want more of a science fantasy game and your Dungeon Master might want a gothic horror game, right? And so we've created these whole two different D&D experiences. Whereas with the organized play stuff through D&D Adventures League, what you're doing is you're talking about a shared experience where we can sit down and have a conversation about, well, what did your character do in Defiance and Phalan? Well, what did my character do in Defiance and Phalan? And there's just more of a connection you can have with somebody that's completely and totally you know, on the other side of the world, right? And that's one of the big strengths uh, for D&D organized play and one of the reasons why you want to get out in public. The other thing, the other really big thing, is that when you get out in the public and you play with other people, play with people outside of your gaming group, uh, what you do is you learn so much more about the game and about people's play styles and about what people like and don't like about the game um, than you would learn from your home group, right? Your home group is going to have their own tastes and their own preferences, and that's all going to be influenced on your group, right? You know, you might uh, select to play with people that are really beer and pretzels, casual D&D players, right? That just kind of want to you know show up after work and they want to just kill some orcs, right every week but maybe you really have a yearning to like to like learn a little bit more about like the like deep role playing nuances of the game right and maybe you're not getting that from your group or maybe your group is the opposite maybe you know maybe you do want you know an opportunity to be like really tactical with your game and your group is is mostly in theater of the mind kind of play well what you're doing is by going out and playing an organized play out in the public uh, you're getting an opportunity to uh, engage with a lot of these people that bring all these different play styles and, and their different backgrounds to the gaming table. And that allows you to learn from the game so much more than you would if you're just playing in, at home.
2: Yeah. And you, there's also certain things that you loot. might get in your.
1: Loot, um, Chris. Loot? Oh, loot. well, sure. When we're okay. kind of interested about in the loot. treasure like here, that's all fine Fat and good, epics. but yeah, so tell
2: us about the treasure.
1: Sure. So, uh, in D and D organized play, uh, you create your own character. But then the cool thing is, is that you get to take your character pretty much anywhere that D and D Adventures League content is available for you. The only thing that really differentiates, you know, whether or not you can play in this adventure or that adventure is, is my character the appropriate level for the adventure. Right. Otherwise, yeah, go ahead and play it. Right. And the neat thing is that uh, when you play in those adventures, uh, you'll get treasure. You'll get. Uh, you'll get magic items occasionally. Um, And those magic items and treasure and your experience and everything else that you earn, um, that just transfers from game to game to game to game, right? You just basically log it on a little log sheet that you carry around with your character that kind of is an adjunct to your character sheet. And you just have an official record of your character's play. And that's great because it allows you to kind of continue to play that character in sort of a campaign style without having to necessarily... Worry about getting the same group of people together every week and, you know, with all of our hectic, busy schedules, sometimes that's not possible. Here you can be at an event one week and then the next week you can go to a completely different event and you can continue to play your character. So your character brings the campaign with them.
2: Oh, very cool.
0: So speaking of going from one place to another, uh, so you've, we've talked about encounters. That's kind of a very specific kind of smaller intro thing, right? Yeah, a little um, bit
1: more like that, right? It's, it's, meant, it's meant for that audience of people that um, are more interested in kind of learning the game while they're playing every week. It does have more of a linear sort of feel to it, like mm-hmm. you show up like week in and week out and play, but you can drop out a week or, or come back a, a little bit later on. And most of the uh, play experiences are focused on like levels one to four, like the, 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 the apprentice tier of play, really. Cool.
0: Well, so then, how does expeditions fit into that? Like, is that the next step, or is that what's the difference between encounters? Yeah, and
1: Yeah, it, it, it can be looked at as a next step, uh, especially if you kind of cut your teeth on something like the starter set adventure or D and D encounters. D and D expeditions is basically um, the way I like to, the analog I like to use. It's basically uh, like when you watch Star Trek: The Next Generation. And you watch like Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, like later on, like you know, like later seasons, you know, after they kind of figure out they weren't Next Generation. <laughs> um, and the the analogy is that you know, when you watch a program like Star Trek: Next Generation, right, you're watching um, them show up at a planet and they have an episode, and they, and and they, you know, there's a problem and they solve the problem and the episode's done, right? And there's some subplot stuff that goes on too, but the big the big thing is that you know, you sit down and you watch it and you're done, right? And that's it, A to B, done. Um, with something like Deep Space Nine, which is more like a home campaign or like what d and Encounters brings, is more of a linear thing where it's building off of each episode, right? So you kind of have to watch the other episodes to really get invested in it, right? And the same thing is kind of true with D&D Expeditions in that um, D&D Expeditions is more like the next generation sort of model where it's sort of like, hey, I can show up and I can get a complete adventure experience in one session. And so all of our content for D&D Expeditions um, is uh, created by our admins and by our adventure designers. And that content is specifically geared towards those one session adventures. Um, They're perfect for uh, conventions. They're also great for stores on the weekends, especially. They take about three to four hours each Mm -hmm. uh, in general. Uh, Some of them are like double length, but for the most part, most of them are in that length. And they're just great if you just want to show up at one location, play your character, and then go to a different location and play a character—you know—play that same character somewhere else.
0: Yeah, and just because they're their own little contained things, they're still connected, like story-wise, right? When you go from Absolutely. one Avenger to the next, you'll, you'll find some familiarities between the two of
1: them. Right. So, for example, let's use Tyranny Dragons, right? So we have Tyranny Dragons. Tyranny Dragons is this awesome—you know—story about uh, the Cult of the Dragon uh, trying to bring back Tyrant to the realms, um, and. In the main storyline, which happens in Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat, right, you kind of play through the events as they happen in the Sword Coast, right? So what you're doing is you're seeing, okay, the Cult of the Dragon is, you know, trying to assemble the dragon masks, and they are going to bring Tiamat back, right? Well, in the D&D Expeditions uh, adventures that that are written, um, those adventures also have a draconic theme to them. They have Cult to the Dragon in them. The Cult to the Dragon is mucking around in the moon sea, <laughs> right, and they're trying to do whatever they're trying to do over there, right, which also involves, of course, you know, you know uh, um, bringing basically draconic tyranny to that area of the world right? So you're going to still see those same themes present. You're going to see connections with the main storyline all the time, um, while still providing you with different story elements, right? So it's not, you're, we're not just aping the main storyline. What we're doing is we're taking that and expanding it. If you think about it as like sort of an expanded universe, that's what the expanded universe is.
2: Which is cool. That's another way just to fully immerse yourself
1: in the whole story. You want more? Here's more, right? You know, you want more than just Horde of Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat awesome. We have more for you, right? And
2: so stores can can get these adventures, D&D yeah. Expeditions and they can run them anytime and so if you have a local store near you that you want to to see Host some of these adventures, let them know.
1: Yeah, please. Just let them know to, to schedule D&D Expeditions. Very easy. very easy for them to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they can. It's like Shelly said, it's totally flexible. D&D Expeditions can be scheduled at any time. Um, it's for a little bit more of our advanced stores, because mm-hmm. they tend, like Trevor was saying before, to be uh, for players that uh, want a little bit uh, deeper experience with the game, uh, tend to be for a little bit more experienced players, but we still have content that starts your character at level one. So if that's the kind of experience you really want, right, you could start with that, right? Yeah,
0: like my my first foray into uh, exhibitions was those those one the one hours. And right. Something, they might go a little bit longer, but they're basically one hour, like kind of little one shot things where there's one kind of big encounter. There might be some awesome role play, um, but it's it's all it's, it's all inclusive story that, that's going on there. Those those are pretty cool. Is that right. level one? Yeah, those there were there were several of them. They were they were. I mean, you could be multiple levels. You could be level two, whatever. I actually leveled out of them. I think when I hit level three, I leveled out of being able to, to right. play, play the ones that are out there right now. I mean, they, they could technically make them for whatever level, but yeah, the ones that are out there right now are for level one. Is right. that A we, good intro.
1: Yeah, we have a really good intro. Um, it's called Defiance in Falon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first adventure in um, the Tyranny of Dragons season of D and D expeditions. So um, that's a really great one to start with. It has it consists of five. It's a it's one adventure that really is five mini. Adventures, and they all are like one hour apiece, maybe an hour and a half, depending on how long your group wants to play. But they don't take very long. Uh, they're a great introduction. Um, you can play those, and then uh, once your character kind of levels up a little bit more, you can go into any of the other adventures that are released. Right now, uh, we have six adventures that are out. Uh, in November, we'll be adding two more. Uh, in December, we'll be adding two more. So um, you know, we're going to have a lot of content by the time uh, we're through with the Tyranny of Dragons season. We will have released uh, fourteen D and expeditions adventures just for that season. Wow, that's amazing! So, yeah,
0: that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. It, so, if someone wants to go find out like what there is to do in Exped- expeditions, like let's say you know what I'm interested in this, I'm interested in trying to get my sort of do this. Where do they go on our website? Is there someplace specifically they can go check out the different offerings that are there for expeditions?
1: Yes. Uh, so, there's a couple of places you can go. Uh, the first is that um, on the main website, the dnd.wizards.com or Dungeons uh, at the top, you're going to see a nav, and there's going to be a D&D Adventurers League uh, drop-down there. You can just go ahead and click on that, and you'll see a whole bunch of options like player info and resources and all kinds of good stuff there, right? So you can kind of find whatever you need there. You can get an introduction to the factions there. You can, uh, you can find out about uh, our play opportunities, you can find out about our different programs. You can find out about what player resources there are and then um, our administrators have set up a, a sort of a sister site it's really great for organizers and it's called uh dndadventurersleague.org um just like just like it sounds. And um, that site is an organizer-focused site that um, has uh, a listing of all the current adventures, when they're going to, when they're going to be released. It has organizer uh, information. So if you're an organizer and you want to know what you can get and when you can get it, uh, that information is there for you. And if you are an organizer, right, and you do find you know, some adventures that you'd like to run for your community, um, there's basically two ways you can go about getting the adventures. If you're associated with a store, um, you simply schedule the event, And then you'll receive an email from us um, right after you get done scheduling, right before the uh, scheduling uh, window closes, uh, that will tell you, hey, here's a link to the uh, Adventure Repository, and here's a password to get in. And if you're not associated with a store, you can request that directly through our game support team. So you can fill out a form uh, right on our website. Um, If you go and search through our knowledge base um, and you just type in, like, uh, D and D adventures league or D and D event support, you'll find it'll pop up on the top and you just fill out that form. And then within 48 hours, they'll get back to you and, and they'll just may, may ask you a question or two about your event, but then they'll give you the same information and access that they give the store.
2: So you mentioned resources and if you could just touch on, cause I know that you worked crazy long hours trying to get that player's guide
1: oh, up yeah, and ready. So what, what are some of the
2: resources there. that, that players have?
1: So, uh, the, yeah, the player's guide is probably the main, the main thing. It's sort of like, I I would consider the player's guide sort of the comprehensive rules for, uh, D&D Adventures League play, um, in the same way that, you know, like any other comprehensive rules document would be created for an organized play program. So, uh, it's, you know, 20 some pages long, um, it covers, um, it covers pretty much everything. What it starts out with is talking about character creation and how that's like, how that's different for D&D Adventures League so a couple highlights are for example you don't roll for ability scores in d and d Adventures League play everybody either uses uh, the standard array which is you know 15 14 13 12 10 8 or they wind up uh, just using a point by system which is all in the beginning of the players handbook there um, uh, and it covers you know other sort of uh, changes that would be made for organized play specifically um, so there's things like, you know, hey, you know, how does the Acolyte background work when you're in uh, Falon, which is the setting of the Tyranny Dragons organized play stuff, right? So you know, the Acolyte background says you get a discount on spell casting when you're at a temple, right? Well, it tells you, oh, the, the, here's the temple that does give you the discount if, you, if you're a member of that clergy, that kind of thing. Um, so those kinds of things are covered in part one. In part two of that guide, we talk about dungeon mastering, and we talk about organizing so and we also talk a little bit about the setting so we talk about both the sword coast and we talk about the moon sea a little bit and just kind of give players sort of an idea of well hey we're have, you know we're having uh, to adventure uh through the tyranny dragon storyline what can we expect to see if we go to the sword coast or if we go to the moon sea so that information is all expressed in the second part and then the third part of the the um document contains a lot of resources, contains a bunch of links for you, including all the community groups that have sprung up, and there are tons of them now all over the place on Facebook and Google Plus and Twitter and everywhere else, right? You can find, you know, all these communities of D&D Ventures League uh, players springing up everywhere, has links to a lot of those, Uh, it has uh, links to all of our official stuff, um, and it has uh, some more information like on the factions and and such, so.
2: Cool. That was Uh, a lot of work.
1: Like another great resource is yep. whatever. Uh,
2: so, sorry, I probably stepped on. You're
0: just... No, we're going to go. No, ahead he's going to
2: continue.
1: Let me know when you're ready. We're rolling out. All right. Sorry. Well, another great resource we have, too, is also there's a quick start uh, rules guide. And it's so if you're intimidated by the you know huge document that is the player's guide, which is comprehensive, it's meant to be that way. Um, There's a one-page document that was created that's just like, here's how to create a character for D&D Ventures League, and here's some resources. And that's it, right? Um, So there's those resources that are available to you as a player. As I mentioned before, community sites Mm -hmm. can help you out with answers to questions. Um, If you want to talk about D&D rules in particular, like fifth edition rules that don't pertain to organized play, well... We have a whole different channel for that. We have our game support team that can answer rules questions, and uh, we have you know other ways that you can contact us through our official channels. So,
2: you are very verbose, like when it comes to be. writing, but also like you're <laughs> he wrote this entire player's guide. You
1: mean that in a good way, buddy?
0: Not a bad way. Don't no, it's a great sure. way. Oh yeah, it's
2: a great way. And you always have you always have a lot to to say and write about when I ask you constantly to write things well, about the do you, do you organized play. I love it. It's, I've been doing help. it
1: for a long time. I've been involved in organized play since the early 90s, so in some capacity or another.
2: So speaking of loving it, let's talk about the other, uh, the 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 third pillar of oh yeah of the D and D Adventurers League, D and D Epics.
1: Sure. So right. we have this really kind of unique experience for large, large shows and it's called D&D Epics, they're an adventure that usually is something that's like a multi-table interactive experience uh, where all the tables that are participating in the adventure at the same time are impacting other tables and impacting like a greater storyline decision that happens uh, during the adventure. So at Gen Con we debuted our D&D Epics with uh, Corruption in Crypt Garden. Uh, which was about three and a half hours long and we brought together about 700 participants for this event. Uh, It was the largest uh, single shared D&D adventure I think that's ever been run Um, and it was incredibly impressive. I was impressed by the way it was organized and the way it ran. I got to participate in it as a dungeon master. We had 570-some players. We had almost 100 Dungeon Masters, and we had, uh, in the 20s, in volunteers, just helping out to make sure the event staff and and what have you to make sure the event actually went smoothly.
2: And you got to play in it, Trevor, right?
0: I did. I mean, I actually got to play because you were doing a lot of the work at the convention. (laughs) So I actually got to play a lot this year. But yeah, the Epic, uh, Chris, was awesome and got a few of us (laughs) into the Epic. I sat at the table with uh, Saladin and uh, uh, Rodney and some friends of ours. And that was... Um, I almost kill
1: your character with wolves. It
0: was all, yeah, yeah. My character probably. I don't remember. I, I remember. I, I, I believe you. It was. It was crazy. Look
2: at them all proud over there. I remember.
0: I had my my, my epic scene came in the next chunk, so that's the part I remember. Right, when right. I, when I went up and talked to people a lot.
1: Right, right. I remember so that. that was too. Good times so that No, was but that really was
0: great. it. Was crazy. It's uh, and I, I've done interactives before, uh, the ones that we've had at Winter Fantasy, um, and those are cool. But this one had more role play and more things like that in it, which I thought was great. Uh, but like, it was it was awesome watching so you're sitting there playing right and then like they come up and they announce like the green flag has been waved and that means that there's a there's people playing there that have made a different choice than your table has made they're they're gone off and they're doing something else they're trying to like rally support from these other people while you're trying to like beat back some guys right totally different adventure for them basically and right. the thing they do affects everybody so if they fail or succeed depending on how many of the tables doing the same thing uh, it, it, like gives everybody a buff or or kind of like makes some things harder. Um, but it's all within the story. So, like, oh, look, so these people fail to do this, that means the dragon's awake, and then you go, Holy crap! Uh, and, and there's stuff that happens from that. And that's just an awesome, awesome feeling to be like, there's stuff that's just out of your control, uh, which is a weird thing to get used to. But really, what it is is there's this huge story, and other people are telling different parts of the story, and that's yeah. just awesome, it's right? Like,
2: and you it's get to like see real. the real. I mean, it's yeah. like, I love, it. I love it when your fantasy becomes real (laughs) right right it's but if you really were fighting this enormous battle with all of these other factions helping you and all these other adventurers out there then things that they do would impact your game
1: right and and for those of you that are wondering out there you know like i want to hear about like what this was really about we're going to post some summaries and some uh, information about the epic um in October. So you'll see some, uh, like a summary wrap up yeah. of what happened in that D&D That's epics cool. experience, including the person that, uh, got the green dragon mask, which was really cool. Yeah. So we'll have oh, yeah. all that information yeah. for you so you can kind of get a chance to at least live vicariously through it. And, uh, then next year, you know, when we do our next storyline, you know, we'll have, an, we'll have another epic adventure and we'll, we'll run it at some of the big shows.
2: So my, I've never seen anything like that played, um, and next to seeing the faction banners, (laughs) Mm -hmm. this was my second, maybe it's probably tied for my first favorite moment of Gen Con. I just remember walking into Hall D when it was going on, and the only way that I can equate to what I was seeing is like equating it to the New York Stock stock Exchange, when people are like frantically running around with papers, and (laughs) um, there were people, the volunteers were running up to the headquarters desk, and they were like, the... Orcs are down in table 23. And then the next person would come up. Right. Table 14 has killed the dragon. <thunder> and like the people at the headquarters table are like frantically taking notes and writing things on a whiteboard and then making a big announcement and then that would affect the whole game. And I remember I walked over to your table right when a Dragon or blue oh, dragon or a green yeah, dragon. Yeah, the green
1: dragon showed up. The green dragon, up. dragon mm-hmm. showed
2: up, and it was the whole table's
1: groaning. No, see, I said that right. You did. That Say was it, actually it, really, it really good. No, I'm not going to try. No, not what you're thinking nope, about. I can't it. do it. We were talking over you. So so I just want to, I, oh, see, I'm talking over you again. Just like pause. Clagilla matar.
0: There we go. See,
1: dragon names are crazy. They are crazy, especially in the realms.
2: Well, and dragons. Are crazy so yeah. that would make sense but but it oh, was so cool because the dragon doesn't come to every table
1: it eventually makes its way to a lot of tables yeah. but not every table yeah. the, the thing that is the most impressive thing i guess to get people to visualize this a little bit better right is you walk in through the the castle area right which is our D play area at gen con and uh what you're seeing is you're seeing a sea of tables right and all of these tables you know that during the week right They're you know while they're at Gen Con you know they're filled with people playing D&D but the thing that really actually brings it home is these people aren't just playing D&D at their tables they're all playing in the same D&D venture at the same time and impacting other tables right and that's something to take. You know, like you see a hundred tables there, or almost a hundred tables, and that's what's going on. That's pretty crazy, right? And that's uh, that's a huge adventure.
2: And they were playing for their factions,
1: right? That's and the other oh, thing yeah. that was totally cool is true. that people
2: were showing up in their faction colors. They were showing yeah. up
1: their faction gear on, which well, that the was very and cool.
2: I heard people saying, I had to go buy a red T-shirt.
1: Right, <laughs> right. There there were, there were a lot of people that were represented their factions. Each faction had their own goals, too. Yeah. And each faction basically uh, got assessed on how well they completed their own goals. And at the end of the adventure, one faction was basically named the faction champion, mm-hmm. the, the faction that basically performed the best and was considered to be the faction with the most success uh, during the event. Uh, at Gen Con, that was the Centaurum. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> Trevor's ha, ha, ha. happy. Is that your faction? Oh, yeah. That's his
2: well,
0: I, yeah, again, I did something really cool in our game. But, yeah, it's uh, it sounded like people in other tables were, like, everybody did a great job. So there's the Harpers, the Zentarum, uh, the Emerald Enclave, the, uh, Order, of the Order, Order of the Gauntlet, and Lord's I always Alliance. forget, Lord of Lights. Um And Robbie everybody did awesomely. Is. Like, it was just like, we all have our own little things that we're trying to do. And, 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 like, so you're at a table with a whole bunch of different people who have different guilds, and they're trying to do different kind of different things. None of us are really at odds with each other for the most part. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see how that actually affected yeah. the yeah. play at the table. The, the,
1: the big thing to keep in mind, too, about the factions and how they interact with each other is all the characters are adventurers. There's always a problem, a challenge mm-hmm. for all of the adventurers to solve together. Right. Right? But what the factions really represent is they all have sort of different means by which they accomplish you know, solving that challenge. Right? So while the Centaurum and the Harpers don't really see eye to eye all the time... Mm-hmm they can come together to both say, hey, Hat's bad, yeah. and we need to do something about it, right? And so when you're playing at a table with uh, characters from other factions, it's not that you're enemies necessarily. You may not love each other or like each other that much, but you realize you have to work together on this mission.
2: Right.
0: We've come full circle. We've started the podcast off with... Uh uh, factions that we've gotten near into the podcast with
2: factions, so. kind of. It's true. Look like how we almost, almost how we intended. Mm. Nice <laughs> also, so, the
1: factions f- are just so important. I think to yeah. uh, to the D and D play experience with adventures, league stuff. Right. We
0: could have another podcast. Where we just talk.
1: Yeah, about we the factions. just talk about, about
2: factions. But we, we we will have to have you back because there are Ooh. so many other things that we have to talk about with organized play. There are. But I know we'll have to go back to work.
0: Yeah, yeah. or um, continue your drive, whatever you happen to be doing. We have to go back to work.
2: So, but if just to conclude. This will be a difficult question for you. It might even make you cry again. If you had to choose three things that you're most excited about with the Adventurers League, what would you say?
1: Uh, The first thing I would say is uh, the ability to take your character anywhere. We're delivering on that promise as much as we possibly can. right? So that's definitely uh, one of the big things. The second thing is the factions and the ability for them to persist from storyline to storyline. And the third thing is the... uh, the close-knit sort of tie-in with the storyline seasons that we do. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can always just sort of jump in and uh, and participate in this season's story or there the, right around the corner there's another story for you, right? So it gives you opportunity to kind of create new characters or have new experiences with your existing character. So that keeps the game fresh and moving along.
2: That was easy.
0: Yeah,
1: I know. You handled that like a pro. It was almost that's like because a- I've been thinking about it like forever. I mean, like one of my favorite <laughs> things. Like, oh, like I can give you five things or ten things, right? But you know, those are probably my top three.
2: All right, cool. we'll save the rest of them for the next time we chat with you. Definitely.
1: Sounds great, guys. All well,
2: right. thank
0: you, Chris, for joining us. This has been great. Thanks for having me. And then thank all of you out there for joining us as well. Uh, we will see you next time.